with you tonight. Open up Psalm 119. <clears throat> We're going to uh, see if there's a miracle tonight or not. If there's a miracle, we'll finish Psalm 119. <laughs> it's only 176 verses. I'm sure I've done that before on a Wednesday night, right? But look, it's really important, so I'm not going to race through it. <clears throat> I, I was tempted momentarily. But it's important that we understand something. The foundation, really, guys, for the for the life of a Christian hinges on this concept. Psalm 119, the entire psalm, <clears throat> is a psalm about the Word of God. The fact that the Word of God is our foundation, is the, the rock to which we cling. You cannot, listen, it's important to understand, you cannot be a Christian without the Bible. What's the point? The the. The principium cognoscendi, the, the, the principle to which we <clears throat> cling, is the foundation of the Word of God, what the Word of God teaches. The number one solid authority in the life of a believer is God. Okay? God. Now, <clears throat> the way that we come to objectively understand the truth is that God condescended to us and provided us His Word. God gave us this. And His Word becomes essential. Now, I, I've shared with you before, if I could go through the Word and say, you know, I'm just going to cut this part out, cut this part out, and that, then, then I got it, that's good enough. But the problem is, God doesn't give you that possibility. What did Jesus say? Jesus' words. He said, this law, this book, not one jot or one tittle will pass away. Not one piece, not one letter, not one stroke of a pen, he said, would pass away till all these things be fulfilled. The idea, the concept that we can <coughs> cling to and hold to the truth of what God's Word teaches us. What God's Word is all about. The principium cognoscendi, that ultimate authority in our life and we have to ask ourselves okay as we as we come and we start to work our way through this chapter what is your ultimate authority is your ultimate authority you if the ultimate authority in your life is you then you are your own god if your ultimate authority is the church then the church is your god what is your ultimate authority and when we come to psalm 119 what Psalm 119 is going to lay out for us is that God has condescended in time to reveal who He is and what He wants from us in His Word. We have it. The question is whether or not you're going to cling to it or, or something else. It's a question of ultimate authority in your life. Who's going to have it? Who has that ultimate authority. <clears throat> when we come, we, we come to Psalm 119 and we say, man, I want, to, I want to learn about the word of the Lord. Well, as we work our way through Psalm 119, you are also going to be introduced to the Lord of the word. And that's the purpose of it. The fact that Jesus Christ is called God the word. <clears throat> In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Jesus Christ, God, the Word, Psalm, or, uh, 
Revelation 19, it says he has a name written upon his thigh, the Word of God, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. This is the description of who he is. We open up Revelation chapter 1, and what do you have? Revelation is of what? Is what revelation of end times? No, what's it the revelation of? Jesus Christ. The unveiling of God the Word. So when we look, it's important that, we, that we're willing to, to, to hopefully grab a hold of and, and lay hold to the truth, the reality, that if, it's not, if, it's, if, you're not, if the Word ain't it, if it's, I want you know, better music or more entertainment, or I don't know what, what possible things people can be looking for from a church, but if it's not the Word of God, then it's empty. It's empty. Jesus also laid out for us, there's no neutrality. There's no neutral ground. Think about the words of Christ. I'm not talking about nothing outside. What did Jesus say? You are either for me or... Does that, he didn't say there's neutral ground, right? He didn't say you can be for me, against me, or in neutral ground, neutral territory, where you can be neither. No, he said you're in or out, right? You're with me or you're not with me. And He is God the Word, and we have the Word of God given to us, laying out for us. And as we look at that, <coughs> we want to be willing to hold on to it and say, this is what God said. This is what God teaches me. This is what God calls me to. So I'm either with Him, or I'm against Him. I'm either with Him, or against Him. So we take a look. Psalm 119 is an acrostic psalm. You'll notice that it's broken up into 22 different pericopes, 22 different divisions. Each one of the 22 divisions begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Every single verse in that one division, for example, the first one is Aleph. Every verse in that division begins with the letter Aleph. Then when we come to Beth, when we come to Bet, it's every letter in that next division begins with the letter Bet. And as we work our way through, Gimel, every letter in that section, every verse begins with the letter Gimel. It's an acrostic psalm. But the point and the purpose of the entire psalm is the beauty, majesty of the Word of God. It's going to tell us several things that the Word of God does. That the Word of God brings happiness. That the Word of God makes me clean. Well, that's not a, a concept only in the Old Testament, is it? What's it say in Ephesians 5? That, that a husband's supposed to do what for his wife? Wash her with what? The water of the Word. The water of the Word. It makes me clean. <clears throat> it makes me free. The Word of God brings liberty. A lot of people struggle with that concept. How can the Word of God bring liberty? It's, it's a law. It's a law. How can the law bring liberty? I don't know. Ask my dog. If my dog could talk to you, he could explain it. When my dog listens, guess what he has? Freedom. When my dog don't listen, guess what he's got? The jail. The jail. There's liberty, there's freedom found in the Word of God and allowing the Word of God to be the, the author in your life. <clears throat> it shows me the way. The Word of God shows me how I ought to walk. The direction of my life. How my life ought to be. The Word of God gives me understanding. 
All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ Jesus our Lord, according to Colossians chapter chapter 2. Not most of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, not some of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The scripture says all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ. It's in Him. In Him we find the answers uh, that we are looking for. It's, It's part of what it is that God has gifted us in His condescension, the fact that He has come down and revealed Himself to us. The, the Psalm 119 is going to tell us, challenge us to do several things <coughs> uh, with the Bible. We're going to be challenged to study it. We're going to be challenged to obey it. We're going to be challenged to store it, memorize it, right? We're going to be challenged to declare the Word of God. We're going to be challenged to rejoice over it. To fall in love. One of the things that uh, really challenged me, it was a while back, I don't remember... If we talked about it on Wednesday or Sunday, it all becomes a bit of a, of a blur. But we were talking about godly jealousy on a Thursday night. And the idea of that, that God says His name is jealous. And that He is a jealous God. That means God's not interested in sharing you with any other gods. He's not interested in... He wants a, a, a complete and total relationship that is sincere monogamous that doesn't seem odd to us when we talk about marriage for most of us we would like a monogamous marriage right we don't we want to share our spouse with a bunch of others god is the same way he doesn't want to share us uh with others but it was interesting because sometimes we're challenged with this idea doesn't it bring you comfort when when the word of god tells us that god loves you the way you are doesn't that bring you comfort that God loves you complete with your, your boneheadedness, the failures, your, your silly, you know, the, the things you do that are dumb, right? I mean, if we're honest, we all have it. We all got some kind of brokenness. And God loves us despite our brokenness. And the thing that challenged me in the study was, will you love God the way He is? Or are you only interested in making a God in your own image? Building a God that is an image you like. Well, I don't know if I really like a God who says that. Well, then you don't have God. Because we want to love Him the way He loves us. We want to love who He is. Not who we think He ought to be. How do we know who He is? How do we know all those things? We have the Word of God. We have the Word of God. And I'd encourage you if, you, if you struggle with ideas about where the Word of God come from, how do we get the Word of God, how do we know that the Word of God is authoritative today, how do we know that what's been transmitted to us has been transmitted correctly, <clears throat> there's a discipline of study within <clears throat> um, the Word that is called transmission, uh, critic, uh, what am I trying to say? Textual criticism. Textual criticism. So... There's some incredible, incredible studies that have been done so that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt the Word of God sitting in your lap is accurate and it is transmitting what God intended to transmit to you. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, you can know. But you can't know just by sitting around saying, well, I don't know if I can trust it. It actually requires something of us. Right? we we got to want to have the answers to the questions. we got to want to go and 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 understand and learn it if you're interested in i got a lot of stuff i can hook you up with 
that, uh, that can help you get started down that, down that road. <clears throat> so the, the, the Psalm 119 is also going to tell us what the Bible is. Besides the idea, it's water for cleansing, it's, it's a wealth and treasure, it is a companion and a friend. The Bible is a song to sing, it's honey to eat, it's a lamp to see with, it's a great spoil, it's a heritage in life. It's going to tell us that the Bible does certain things, that it blesses us, that it gives us life, that it gives us strength, that it gives us liberty, that it imparts wisdom to us, that it creates a friendship, that it gives comfort, that it gives direction, but it also tells us what are you supposed to do with it. You're supposed to love it. You're supposed to prize it. You're supposed to study and memorize it. You're supposed to meditate on it, chew on it. You're supposed to trust it. You're supposed to obey it. Supposed to declare it. All that in 176 verses that are all focused on one thing singing the praises of God's Word. The praises of what it tells us. The first uh, pericope we're going to look at, Aleph, it's going to talk about the, the blessed, uh, blessed and blameless. <clears throat> blessed and blameless. Look what it says Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk <clears throat> in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with a whole heart. So the concept is that there is a blessing, that you can be blessed, and that you are to be blameless. How are you doing with the blameless part? The blessed part is not so hard, right? We can understand the concept of being blessed, being blessed by the, the truth of what God's Word reveals. But you know that God's Word calls us to be undefiled in the way. That God's Word calls us to walk according to the law of the Lord. To walk according to the law, that means walking in obedience to what God's Word says. Never mind the, 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 the little crazy things. Let's just, just, just focus on the big ones. Yeah? Focus on, on the big ones. Blessed are those who keep His testimony. What's the key to keeping His testimony? What's the key to walking undefiled in the way? It's the next phrase. Who seek Him with how much of the heart? A whole heart. Remember I told you God's a jealous God, that God is, is interested in a relationship with you that's monogamous. It's you and me. It's, it's you and the Lord. And there's nothing coming in between or dividing that. That's the kind of relationship that God wants with you. That kind of relationship He's looking for is described in the Bible and throughout the 119th Psalm and throughout the Word of God as being the, the pursuit of a whole heart. Not half a heart. Not a quarter of a heart, whole heart. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, the Shema says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, He is one God. And what's He want us to do? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So with your entire being, with your entire being, love God. Or love the Lord with a whole heart. Love the Lord with a whole heart. Heart. That's what we're looking for. That's where we find blessedness and blamelessness because we are seeking Him with a whole heart. When we're seeking Him with a whole heart, when our focus is Him, our feet don't lose their way. But when our heart is divided and when we're focused on something else or if we're chasing something else in life, well, then your feet are going to follow that path. Right? Right? Look, it's really pretty easy when we were doing, when we were, when I was coaching football, you know, I didn't, I told, I told guys, just, you gotta feel the routes that you're running. You gotta feel the route. You can't, don't count five steps 
cut, you got to feel it. Feel it. Be sharp. Be where you where you, you you need to be. Be where you need to go. Go where you need to go. Understand what you're doing. You have to feel what's going on. What if I'm going after the Lord? Then my feet are going to be where they need to be. If I'm going after the world, where are my feet going to be? They're going to be where they need to be. Where I look is where I'm going to end up. Where my eyes are, that's where I'm going to land. And that's what he's asking for. Blessed are the undefiled in the way. Who do what? Who walk according to the law. Meaning what? Their whole heart is, is fixed on the Lord. So they're walking toward the Lord. Their eyes are focused on the Lord. And that's where they end up. With Him. And there's only one place, guys, that we can be blameless. And that's in Christ. For he who knew no sin became our sin sacrifice that we might become the righteousness of God. The only way that we become righteous or blameless is in Christ. Well, how are we in Christ? Our eyes focused on Him? Are we after Him with our whole heart? Have you bowed the knee to the King of kings and the Lord of lords? That's how we find ourselves blameless. Well, what gives us that direction? We find that direction in the Word. What? Who walk in the law of the Lord. All these words, the law, the testimonies, the precepts, the statutes, the commandments, uh, the judgments, all of these are synonymous with the term word. His word, his direction, what he gives us. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. So he's saying, look, I know you want me to walk according to what your word declares. I know that's what you want from me. And I wish, oh, that my ways, my, my natural tendency was to do that. But it's not our natural tendency, is it? Our natural tendency is to, is to mess up, to blow it. So that's not our natural tendency. So what's he say? Oh, I wish that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I wouldn't be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. So what's he saying? He's saying, I blow it too. Well, I know I, I want to walk this, but my natural tendency is not to. So then what's our solution? My natural tendency is not to do it, so, well, forget about it. My natural tendency is not really to love you, hon, so I'm just not going to do that. How's that marriage work? Pretty good? Probably not. So what do we do? What do we do with it? What do we do with it? We, we, we come to His Word. His Word tells us about Him and who He is. So He says, I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. See, I'm going to hold on. Keep in mind that word, keep, means I'm going to treasure. I'm going to hold on to them. How do you treat the Word of God? How do you treat the Word of God? Like it's just some lame thing? Or do you treasure the Word of God? Because when he says, I keep your Word, it doesn't mean I'm perfect, that I always do the right thing. It means I keep it. I hold on to it. I want to know it. I want to know who you are. When Kathy and I, when I was in the Marine Corps, and, and uh, I was, uh, every moment was, was uh, waiting for another letter from her. And I would read her letters over and over. And I still have them. We still got a box. Isn't that crazy? We still got a box in our... We found it when we moved. Every time we move, we find this box. And then we open it up, and I think, oh my gosh, how lame I am for some of the things I wrote was just really corny. It's good that only her and I read these things. But I look at it, and I go, man, this is, this is uh, something that what? I 
treasure. That's an earthly relationship. How much more the relationship with our Creator? Do you treasure the letters He's given you because they're on your lap or in your phone or on your app? They're there. You treasure them. Do you want to know what it is that, that God's Word is declaring to you? Because when we do, if we want to, it's, it's, it's something when we come to God's Word, it's more than just reading. It's, it's coming to hear His voice. When I read Kathy's letters, I could hear her saying the things I was reading. You ever done that when you read a letter from somebody? You can hear their voice. Uh, well, still today, I got a, I got a um, commentary by uh, J- uh, uh, McGee. What's his name? James Vernon, right? Yeah. And I can hear his southern accent. Now, he's been dead f- for a while. Uh, but I can still hear his voice when I read. I can't help. I read it, it comes out southern accent because... That's what he sounded like. So, so you, you, you hear the voice. When we come to the Word of God, do we hear the voice of God? Do you hear His wants and desires for you? Do you hear His desire for your life and the things that He wants uh, to do in and through your life? Do you hear the voice of God when you come to His Word? Because we want to come to His Word, hearing His voice, loving Him more, uh, wanting to understand Him more and delighting in Him. And that's something we're going to see in the 119th Psalm. We come to Bet. This is take time to be holy. This section, take time to be holy. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. How do I have a clean life? How do I live the life I want to live? How do I do the things I want to do? Plug in. Make a diet of the Word of God. Pour the Word of God in. How do I know what, what will make my wife happy? It's easy. It was in those letters. It was all in those letters. Every page, every sentence it was, it was her telling me how I could be the man I needed to be. It was all there. Just had the one to know. And it's the same way with the Word of God. It's all there. It's all there, what God is looking for from me, how God wants me to behave. Look what it says in verse 10. With my what heart? Whole heart I have sought you. My whole heart I have sought you. Jeremiah 29 verse 13. You have a very similar phrase used of the exiles who were in Babylon who had been disobedient. And uh, um, so they're, they're going through a time of exile. Difficulty has entered into their life. What does God say? You'll find me. When you seek me with what? Whole heart. Does God want to be found? Sure. Sure. He just wants the real. Not the superficial. Not the superficial. Do we want superficial relationships? You want superficial friends? You want superficial people to hang out with? Reality is, no, no, I don't really want that. I want real friends who are my friends because... They already know what a jerk I can be, and they're still my friends. They still, you know, I can be me, and they're not afraid. Other people, I can be me, and they're running away as fast as they can run away. That's a superficial relationship. But a real relationship, a real friendship, is like the good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it? Yeah, so that's what, isn't that what God wants? Why do we want to give Him less than what we look for in a relationship with human beings? 
That's what His Word is declaring, that the way that we have it, we seek Him with a whole heart. So let me not wonder from your, what's it say? Commandments. I want to seek you with my whole heart. So then what's the next phrase he tags on to that? So if I'm going to seek you with my whole heart, let me not, let me not, let me not forget about your commandments. Man, I don't want to, I don't want to forget about what you're saying. I don't want to wander away from what your truth says. Well, how do I know what God says? How do I know what God's word is teaching me? Well, I got to be in it. There's no shortcut to it. You got to read it. You got to want to know Him. See, the reason God came through all of eternity to present us with the Word of God is so that you can know Him. You can know what He's like, His characteristics, His attributes. You can know what He desires in the heart that follows Him. It's not a mystery, folks. You can read it in plain English. And really, come on, we all use the same excuse. I, you know, I try to read the Bible, but I don't understand it. Let me ask you a question. When the Bible says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved a church. You don't understand that? That's just English. I get it. What are we really saying when we say, I don't understand it? Yeah, I don't want to do it. Don't make me pick on you wives. You know the next one, right? So the I, what's, what's the point? What's my point? My point is we know what it says. It's a matter of making it a part of who we are, making it a part of our diet. Your word, verse 11, you know this one. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. What's he calling us to? Memorize. Memorize what? The word of God. Why? So that when we need it, it's there. Look, here's the thing, funny thing. <clears throat> you know, when, when you're going through life and you're, you're, you know, we got stuff, right? We got jobs. We got, uh, uh, life to make. We got places we take care of. Maybe we got kids we're raising. Whatever things we got, we're doing all those things. But you know what? You're never really, uh, hopefully, you're not ever really just heading out to, I'm gonna jump right into the midst of temptation. When's temptation come? Usually when you're not looking for it. I'm out working, doing something, and bam, here comes that temptation. How are you gonna react to it? If the Word of God is in your heart, though your whole being is, you know, I just want to do that. I just want to go off down that road. I just want to pitch all this stuff and, and do what I ought not to do. But why don't I do that? Because the Word of God is in my heart. The Word of God is saying, yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's not God's way. You can run down that road if you want. I get, I get into a situation and say, I just want to rage. I just want to blow up. I just want to vent. Well, what's the Bible say? The Bible says that in the Proverbs, the Bible says a fool who vents. So I guess if your goal is to be a fool, knock yourself out. But if I want to let the Word of God find its rightful place in my life, then I let the Word of God guide where I'm going. And I come to that thing and I go, you know what? This is, there's really not any fruit in this. What happens? I make somebody else mad like I'm mad. Now there's two mad people. How's that? Did it get better or worse? No, no, come on. Venting always just makes it better. So then those two people go vent to two more people. Now you had two mad people. Now how many mad people you got? Four. Did it get better or worse? Oh, come on. I know if we keep doing this, it's going to work out better, right? So we take those four people, and they go vent to four more people. And now they're, instead of four people mad, there's eight people mad. Did it get better or worse? Look, the Word of God don't lie. 
The word of God don't lie. What would have been a better track? What does the Bible say? Cast all your cares on me. Jesus said, cast all your cares on me. Why? Because I'll care for you. So where do we take the vent? Where do we take our anger and frustration? What does the Bible tell us? We take it to the Lord. We take it to the Lord and what's God do? God takes it. When you lay it down there at the cross, have you ever turned around and went back and picked it up again? Kathy tells this story, right, that we put on the full armor of God and we use the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the enemy, but there's no defense against us reaching down, picking up that dart and jabbing ourselves in the eye with it, is there? Yeah, we got to lay those things down. We take them to the Lord and we leave them there. And if you've got to take them to the Lord a hundred times, take them to the Lord a hundred times. In the end, what has occurred? One person is working through their anger and their frustration and their difficulties with the power of God and coming to wholeness. Or is it better to have eight angry people on their way to 16? On the way to 32? On the way to 64? We want to do things God's way. We've got to keep God's word in our heart. And when he says, your word I've hid in my heart, how do I hide God's word in my heart? It's not solely about memorization. What is it about? It's about taking the word of God in. What did the Holy Spirit say he would do in our life? It says the Holy Spirit will bring to our remembrance the things, Jesus said, the things that I have taught you, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance. So you might not even be thinking about it. You might not even be chewing on it. You just go, yeah, I'm, I'm just doing my thing. But then all of a sudden, bam, I got that that word from the Lord. I can hear that still small voice saying to me, no, don't go that way. I, I don't know about you guys, but I hear it every time. Every single time, every single temptation in my life, I hear it. Every single time. Now, I have a choice to respond to the still small voice of the Lord and say, I- I'm going to go after Him because I want to go after Him with how much of a heart? Whole heart. But if my heart's divided, where do I find myself? More often than not, ignoring the still small voice until I get somewhere down the road and I go, oh my gosh, this is totally the wrong way. I'm utterly lost. I need to get back on track. Anybody ever been there? That's what the Word of God is declaring to us. That the Word of God is that foundation that we hold to. Otherwise, we just get blown away by all the different winds in this world. Right? Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes teach me your ways teach me your word teach me what you're all about where do we find that in the word of god in the word of god teach me with my lips i have declared all the judgments of your mouth what are we declaring now somebody said uh, i don't remember who it was anymore but somebody said there's a perfect way to to keep your life sin from in your life what do you do you spend uh 15 minutes in or five minutes in prayer Five minutes in a word and five minutes telling somebody else about what you read. How to take 15 minutes and get away from sin. <clears throat> five minutes in prayer, five minutes in a word, five minutes telling somebody else. What's he saying right here? Declare. I, I want to I declare with my lips all the judgments of your mouth. All the things that God is teaching us. What do we do with it? We declare. We tell other people. That's the point. Then what's that lead to? Verse 14. I have rejoiced. In the way of your testimonies, as much as in all riches. He finds finds greater joy in the concept of pouring God's word into his life than in all other riches. 
I'll be honest with you, I battle with that. I got, I got, anybody have a wanter? You guys know what a wanter is? A wanter is that thing in your life that always wants something. Do you guys have one? So I like shiny things. Uh, I like new things. Uh, I like things with two wheels and lots of chrome. Uh, there's lots of things I like and that I want. But here's what I discover. Because God has brought me to a place in, a, in life where, where um, I study. I study all the time. Uh, um, almost every day. Almost seven days a week. And when I'm studying, when, especially when I'm deep in study, there is nothing more satisfying than coming to understand more about what, God, what God's like and what God's showing me in His Word. Nothing. Not a thing. Not all the things I want. It's more satisfying. The funny thing is, it's like that man who looks in a mirror and sees how he is and then turns away from the mirror and forgets what he looks like. Right? We have to be reminded constantly. Constantly desiring to see, to understand, to be able to rejoice and know that God's Word is greater to us than all the riches of the world. So what's he say? I will meditate on your precepts. I'll meditate on your word. I'm going to chew on it. Look, guys, if you come to the word of God and you come to the word of God with a surface desire, you're going to get leaves. Anybody need more leaves in their life? If you come to the word of God with a pick and a shovel, you're going to find gold. Which one you want? Well, one requires a little more work than the other, doesn't it? And you don't have to know Greek or Hebrew. Oh, it's amazing. What do you have to be willing to do? Just simple observation. We, we had a class one time, uh, living by the book. Bunch of guys came in. We really loved it. Bunch of guys came in. The first day, we, we were watching this little video. And on the video, the guy says, okay, here's the test. And there's a table. And he says, stare at this table. Bunch of stuff on the table. Stare at this table. You can stare at this table for five minutes. And then I want you to write everything that was on the table. And so you stare at the table, five, you know, in about 30 seconds, you're like, this is stupid. And then, you know, pretty soon you're goofing around, throwing your pencil at somebody. I think mostly that was Jason, but I might have been involved as well. Yeah, and that's what we're doing. So anyways, it stops, boom, it goes black. Now write it all down. And you write it all down, and you get, man, I got like 10 things. I'm an amazing, I could be Sherlock Holmes. I saw 10 things on that, on that little table, the stuff that was on the table. And then after you get it, you know, get so much time, you get that done. And then it gives you a list of all the things on the table. I don't remember, but it was like a hundred things on the table. I got 10%. That didn't require Greek. That didn't require Hebrew. What did it require? Observation. Was that something we're incapable of? I just can't observe anything. No, you do it every day. Right? Especially if it's something you want. If they're a favorite TV show. Do you observe things in your favorite TV show? Oh, I noticed that today his hat was crooked. Oh, I wonder why his hat was crooked. I wonder what it means. And if if you got a show you really like, you can go on YouTube and somebody else really likes it and they filmed something about that show and why his hat was crooked that day. Are we able to observe? Sure. It's all what you want. What do you want? But if I come to the Word of God that way, and I say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at this verse, 
And I want to, I want to chew on it. I'm going to meditate on it. I want to observe it. I want to glean from it. I want to pull every ounce of things I can understand from this verse, just from what it says right there in English. And what are you going to do? Grow. Because if your observation is good, your interpretation is going to be right. If your interpretation is right, your application is going to be right. It all starts with willingness to meditate, chew on his precepts, contemplate his ways. Look at verse six, I or verse sixteen. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. He says, "I'm going to delight myself. I'm going to make it the joy of my life to know you." Now, just I just want you to think about. Okay, we're it's, it's a Bible, and and we just make it relational. Make it relational. Isn't that what you want to hear from your spouse? I want to spend the rest of my life really knowing you. I want to know what it means when that eyebrow goes up on one side. I want to know what it means when you give that half uh, uh, crooked smile. I want to know what it means when you crinkle your nose. I want to know what it means when you turn a certain way or when you look a certain way. We spend our entire lives. I've been married for 30 years. I spend 30 years learning every tick of my wife. And I'm going to spend the next 30 because I haven't not extinguished the whole being of who Kathy is. Isn't that what we want from a relationship? We say all the time, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. But is that what we have? I mean, are we being honest? Is that really what we have? Do we have a relationship where we're saying to ourselves, I want to spend my life knowing who God is? And how can I do that? I can't look at his face. One day I'll be able to, but I can't now. How do I look at his face now? It's right here. Try here. Meditate. Chewing on it. I'll delight myself spending my life getting to know more about you. Who you are. What you're all about. Well, then we come to Gimel. So, so we're not going to finish. Does that shock anybody? <laughs> we're pretty close, so we're almost halfway. <laughs> okay. So now you'll be worried if we're ever driving somewhere. And I say, don't worry, we got a half a take. Gimel. Gimel. So here's what we'll finish in verse 24. Gimel says, uh, uh, is all about we need God's word. We need the word of God in our life. We need it. Like saying I'm a Christian without the word of God is, is pointless. <clears throat> Being a Christian is all about living a consistent life. Consistent with your worldview. Consistent with what you believe. And the problem, the reason most people don't want to hear anything from Christians is because they're inconsistent. Because they want to live like the world in nine-tenths of their life, and then all of a sudden, one-tenth, they want to apply all this Christianese to everything in life. No, scrap that. we got to be consistent. What's that mean? I'm consistent here. I'm consistent in my home. I'm consistent in my uh, words. I'm consistent in my action. I'm consistent because I really am what I say I am. Because I really cling to what the Word of God says. I want to follow His precepts. I want to, I want to uh, uh, know His Word. So it says in verse 17, Deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your Word. So at first He says, we are servants and we need direction. That's what he's saying. Look, I deal bountifully with your servant. I need direction so that I can live and keep your word. 
What's, what's the bounty? The bounty is not give me a bunch of money so that it's all good. I need you. I need to know you more so I know what to do and how to do it. So the first, the first verse there, verse 17, we're servants who need direction. Look at verse 18. In verse 18, we're students and we need our eyes open. Look what it says. Open my eyes that I might see wondrous things from your, from your law. How many times when you come to the Word of God to spend time in the Word of God, do you pray and say, God, I need you to open my eyes so that I can see wondrous things in your Word? That's a, that's a part of a prayer John Piper prays every time before he opens up the Word of God. Open my eyes that I might see wondrous things in your Word. I want to I know you. I want to I understand you. So first, we're servants in need of direction. Second, we're students in need of having our eyes open. Third, look at 19. We're strangers and we need guidance. For I am a stranger in the earth, so do not hide your commandments from me. Anybody question about how should I, what should I be doing? How should I be feeling about this? How should I be feeling about the tides of this world and the direction of our nation? How should I feel about all those things? Is it just subjective? I just, you know, feel however my, I feel? Is that it? Is, I mean, is that all we have to lean on is the subjectiveness of our feelings? Like uh, sometimes I feel hungry, sometimes I don't. Right? Sometimes I feel happy, sometimes I feel sad. Sometimes I'm angry for no particular reason. I just am. So can I just make it subjective where I look at the world and the direction of the world through my feelings? Or can I make it objective where I, where I translate the circumstances in the world through the Word of God? And I look at the Word of God and I say, in the Word of God, life is always precious. Period. Well, what if? I don't really care about your what ifs. It was settled the moment God said, life's precious. All life. When does life begin? Was settled for me in the Word of God. Why? Because God said, I called him from the womb. On the day that his mother and father slept together and he was created, I had a plan for his life. Did you know that's in the Bible? Yes, Psalm, what? 139. The day mom and dad slept together, God says, I was there and I already had a purpose for your life. So when did life begin? Right then. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. Who gives a rip? They're not the authority in my life. God is. What is your ultimate authority? And when you settle on what your ultimate authority is, what does that drive you to do? What is marriage? What is marriage? How do I interpret what's going on in the world? The world says this is what marriage is. Can't you just... Let up on all that stuff? I mean, what's all this judgmental? It's not judgmental. I'm just saying it's what the Word of God says. In the New Testament, I don't even have to go to the Old. But I can. Because we, we use Old Testament all the time. You know that? You ever said you should love your neighbor? Anybody ever? You know where that's in? Leviticus. You heard of that book? That's Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, third book. Yeah, it says we're supposed to do what? Love your neighbor. Oh, crazy. It's crazy. So the, I, what's the point? What's my point is, I don't subjectively decide how I feel about something because, by whether or not it offends me or it bothers me. How do I do it? Based on what does the Word of God say, period. What's it teach? What's it teach? I don't change it. It 
does what? Changes me. I don't have authority over it. It has authority over me. When it tells me to live my life a certain way, that's how I live it. That's, that's, it that should be what being a believer is all about, right? I'm a stranger in the earth. I don't know what to do, so I need your guidance. Where do we find it in His Word? My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. When's the last time you felt that way? My soul breaks because I don't know, God, your judgments. I want to know more about you. I want to know what, what you, how you see the world, not how I do. I want to know how you look at the world. Now you've got to say, you look at it and you go, well, but it's all this. Look, don't get all hung up on it. What does the Bible say? John 3, 16. Everybody knows it, right? For God did what? He so loved who? The world. That he did what? He gave. So don't give me no grief about it's all judgment. Look, I'm going to tell you real simple. God's way or the highway. Get on or get off. But if you're on, then you're on. Period. Period. It's not judgment. God made it. He has a plan and a purpose for the way He made it. If you say, well, I don't know if I really agree with that, then don't tell me He's your God. You are. Because you're not taking what His Word says. You're deciding for yourself. It's okay. I'm not angry at you. I'm just asking you to be consistent. Be consistent. With the, who is the God that you serve my heart breaks. I want to hear your commandments. I want to understand your judgments. For you rebuke the proud, the cursed, who stray from your commandments. So remove me from reproach and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Princes shall sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statues. You guys ever heard of the tolerance buzzsaw? The tolerance buzzsaw, and this currently in the world today, the tolerance buzzsaw says you can have freedom of speech to say anything you like as long as you say all the things I like. But if what you say is not what I like, then there's no tolerance for you. You can go and picket outside and stop traffic and keep people from being able to go to a, a Trump rally. I'm not supporting Trump. Don't quote that on me. But what I am saying is you can have the freedom to do it, right? You guys seen it on the news, haven't you? Yeah, you can have the freedom to do that. But, you know, if you get invited to a college to speak on sexual purity and ethics within the Bible, the, the, the I don't even know how you do it, the gay, lesbian, GLBT comes and, and holds this big rally in the middle of your speech and totally disrupts the whole thing. Well, wait a minute, I thought... I thought you invited me here to hear what I had to say. Oh, no, 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 no. Because what you say, I don't agree with. So you don't have that right. What does the Word of God say? The Word of God says when you submit to God, you have freedom. What does the world say? Unless you submit to me and say the things I tell you to say, you don't have no freedom. What do we call that? That's slavery. Well, slavery. Look, he says... I will meditate on your statues, but the princes, the world, the rulers, the people around, they're going to speak against you. Your testimonies are my delight, and your testimonies are my counselors. Is the Word of God your counselor? Is the Word of God the thing which, which tells you right from wrong? Or is right from wrong a subjective thing that you have to feel your way through? 
It's just a matter of ultimate uh, authority. What's the ultimate authority in your life? What's the ultimate authority in, my, in your life? According to the Christian worldview, the ultimate authority can be foundational. It can be known and it can be objective. It's found in the Word of God. No other book like it on the face of the earth. No other book anywhere, ever, written by uh, 40 different authors, 66 different books written on mm, three different continents, multiple different countries, all one message, not written at the same time, written over 1,500 years. Uh, an authoritative book for which in the ancient world we have more evidence than any other book on the history of mankind. That's the Bible. People can make up their mind one way or another of it, but if you're going to be a believer, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then the Word of God ought to be your foundation upon which everything's built. And I may have disagreements between me and another brother in, a, in another denomination somewhere else. And we may see things different, but I can still call my brother because we can have that foundation. And what's our argument? Our argument's in the Word of God. Well, let's discuss. How the, what's it say? What's it say? Let's work our way through. Who's the authority? Not the church, not somebody else, not this or that. The Word. Come to the Word. What's the Word say? If it's in the Word, I'm down. If it ain't in the Word, I'm not. That should be our foundation. And hopefully as we work our way through the 119th Psalm, and I finish it before two years, uh, definitely before summer, hopefully we can come to understand that. There is a foundation upon which we stand. And it's real and true, or it's all garbage. No middle ground. No neutral. For me or against me. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray.